0: Good morning, everyone, and good to see you on this long weekend. And uh, I hope that you do have a good time relaxing. It's supposed to be the family weekend, so do enjoy. But uh, we, uh, we've been talking about relationships and the importance of developing them. We said that the way to have strong relationships is through practice, practice, practice. In fact, we talked about how Jesus spent three years with his disciples. And it was during that time that they learned how to really love each other, care for each other, how to function as a team. And uh, some people did the arithmetic because we said that um, it, that basically they spent about 10,000 intensive hours together getting to know each other, understand each other. We said that that it takes 10,000 hours to master uh, anything. If you learn how to play piano, you need 10,000 hours of practice in order to, to really play well. 10,000 hours... Uh, of practice will help you be a good knitter, a good crocheter. Uh, 10,000 hours will help you uh, do whatever it is that you want to do great. And the same thing applies to relationships. Now, those of you uh, who did the arithmetic, you said, well, Pastor Allen, three years uh, is more than 10,000 hours. But I, I just want to remind you again that uh, when you're sleeping, you're not engaging in in any sort of relationship. You're, unless you're a a sleepwalker, I don't know, but you're not—you're not communicating. You're not talking. So I'm talking about the time when you're actually interacting with other people, and so Jesus and his disciples would have spent about a little over ten thousand hours of really getting to know each other, learning how to work together, learning how to minister together, but truly developing deep relationships. And that's what small groups are all about. It's an opportunity for you to get together with other believers. And learn to care for each other, learn to share together, learn to talk together, to converse, to share your thoughts, your opinions, your ideas, uh, your cares, your concerns. It's a chance to, to pray together, but it's a, definitely a way to experience what God wants you and I to experience. Laura mentioned in the video clip that I'm always talking about the importance of relationships. I'm gonna tell you that the best way to learn how to relate to other people is by getting involved in a small group. Well, Today we're talking about outreach together. And do you know that for the past 2,000 years, uh, no religious group in the world, and certainly no secular group in the world, has done what the church has done in terms of making this world a better place? Christians for 2,000 years have obeyed or responded to the call of Christ to go and share his love to minister to needy people, to tell others about how they can find hope and healing and how they can find the peace that their hearts long for. We do it together as a group in response to Jesus Christ. I'm going to say this to you. Uh, When we look at the need around us, it's so easy to become overwhelmed and feel like, oh man, there's nothing that I can do about it, so there's no point in doing anything. And what you and I need to understand is that alone, it is very difficult. But when we link arms, when we get together and say, you know what, together we can make a difference, uh, I'm telling you, the world is turned upside down. Think about Jesus. He chose only 12 men. And he said, you're the ones I'm going to invest my time and my energy in. And together... Uh, we're going to change this world. Now, I don't know if he actually told them that, but I do know this, that that was absolutely his mission. That was his purpose. His intention was to get together with that small group of disciples, and together they would change the world. Now, I will say this to you. Uh, Over the years, Cross Church has been involved in all sorts of ministries. We uh, actually have Kids Club here on Tuesday nights that ministers to the community. We've got uh, Friday night youth ministry, again, ministering to young people, uh, all sorts of programs. But here's what you'll see. The common denominator in these ministries is that it's a group of people. It's a team of people who say, "Uh, I want to join the team. I want to be part of, of making a difference in our world. We've sent groups down to downtown, to work at the Salome Mission, a Lighthouse Mission, a Gospel Mission. Uh, we've we've done a, a lot of work right in the core area of this city. We have uh, sent groups up north. We have uh, gathered clothing and bicycles and computers and food and sent them up north. It's what we do. Why do we do it? We do it in response to the call of Christ to go. And make a difference in this world. This summer, we're going to be sending a team to the Philippines. We'll be sending a team to Burundi. We have sent teams to Mexico and Costa Rica, to India, to Indonesia. We've sent them to Zambia. Um, I don't know if I'm missing any place, but there's, there's so many places that we've sent teams to. The question is this. Why do we do it? Why do we invest the money in this sort of thing? Why do we, why do we bother? Well, First of all, because Jesus tells us to. It's the Great Commission. It's the command of Jesus. Go into the world. Go and tell them all about me. Go and teach them to obey me. That's what Jesus says. And so because we call him our master and our Lord, we do what he says. But there's a second reason. And it's, it's critical that you get this because so many of us uh, miss out on this aspect of what God wants them to experience in terms of, of what he wants to do in their life. And we find this in uh, Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 to 20. And look what it says here. Jesus says, I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I'm there among them. Now, listen, every one of us, can call out to God and we can have our own personal relationship with God. We can have our connection to God and it's great. But there's something that you miss out on when you fail to connect with other believers. Jesus tells us clearly, plainly here, that when we gather together with other believers, two th- very significant things happen. Number one, when, when we gather together as believers and we pray, the Bible says that Jesus shows up, that God shows up, and he answers our prayers. Now, that's really, really important to understand, because this is an aspect of our faith that has been ignored so often and that we miss out on. I, I, I miss out so much when I fail to connect with other believers and pray about needs. But there's something else that happens when you get together with other believers. The Bible says, or Jesus himself says, that where two or three gather together as my followers, I'm there among them. The very presence of God is there wherever you go, wherever you are and wherever you go, whatever you do, when you, when you go together. Now, this, uh, this past year, we went to Burundi. We had a, a, a marvelous time serving God there, doing our, our various things. But I'll tell you this. It, it was not just each and every one of us showing up doing our own thing. We were literally... And actually, a team. We were there, directed by God, and saying, "God, we're here together to serve you, to do your will." It was it was life changing. As we served God together, we saw the power of God and His presence poured out, and we saw lives changed. And I'm telling you, if you ever talked to Dennis Weeb about it, he can't help. He just tears start just streaming down his cheeks. He just can't help himself. He just is so excited about this. But this idea of working together as a team to bless Burundi. I went to the Philippines a year before, the year that I broke my leg. And uh, with the team that went to the Philippines, we, we just had a marvelous time. But I, I really saw there the power of a team. We were in a place called, I think it's called Candaba. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm saying it wrong. But anyway, uh, I know this. The water was up to our thighs. And we had to come, in, come into the church on a, on a special tractor that farms the rice paddies. It was the only thing that could get through that water. But uh, the idea was that we would go to that place that had been so badly affected by the flooding. And our job was to distribute uh, supplies, food, that sort of thing. But not just food and medicine and, and that sort of thing. But to counsel them and to encourage them. And to do even more than that, to share the love of Christ with them. So they said to me, Pastor Allen, you're going to do a crusade when you get there. Now, I don't know what crusade means to you, but when I think of crusade, I think of Billy Graham and 50,000 people. So I was a little freaked out because I was just finding out about this. And I thought, great, I'm going to have to do a crusade. But as it turns out, it wasn't quite 50,000 people. Um, I don't think it was even 500, although maybe close to that. My job was to, to share the gospel with, with the people that were there. Just to tell them that God loved them, that in the midst of the flooding, that God hadn't forgotten about them. And so I did my message, I preached, and invited people to come forward to to receive prayer, uh, maybe to receive Christ, whatever their need is to come. And as I was doing that, I noticed that the pastor was behind me. He was just sobbing his eyes out because he'd been praying for that community, uh, asking God for a way to, to break through the, the hardness of the community. And God happened to use the flood to just to bring the barriers down and, and to cause people to open their hearts to God. And so he's sitting, standing back there, just tears streaming down his cheeks. And I had this great pleasure, this great joy of being able to share the gospel with these people. But here's what, here's what, what uh, few people would have, have seen. What I saw was the rest of our team and what they were doing. While I was doing my thing up there in front of everybody, the spotlight's on me, I'm preaching, I'm praying for people. The rest of my team are are gathering around, they're praying for people. And I look up into the gallery and there's Al and Wendy uh, taking care of the little kids so that their parents could receive from God whatever it is that their hearts were hungry for. Now I would be an absolute fool to suggest to you that that the main person in that missions team was me. Absolutely not. We were a team. God used us as a group of people to do to do special ministry. It wasn't just me, it was we as a team that did that ministry. And so this is this is what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about not just individuals doing ministry, but doing ministries together as a team. Now, something I need to tell you, because um, the media has really given us a bum-rack, I need to tell you that the church is great and has done great things and will continue to do great things, contrary to what the media tells you. The media would suggest to you that the church is harmful to children, the church is harmful to culture, harmful to society, They'll tell you that we are, we are sowing the seeds of, of um, well, of religion. And, uh, and that we are, are giving people false hope. We're causing people to believe in fables, in myths and legends and things that are not true. Culture, our society will tell us that we are responsible for doing damage to, to, uh, to different cultures. Um, we think of the residential schools, terrible stuff. But can I remind everybody it was done in the name of the church, but those were not Christians that did that kind of stuff. Those are people that don't, knew nothing about Christ. And so we, we suffer, we suffer the consequences of people who have done evil things. But if you look at the sum total of all that's happened over the past 2,000 years, you discover that the church, in fact, has done so many, so much, so many great things and done so much good in the world that it far, 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 far outweighs and outshines any of the evil things that have happened. So now I want to just remind you some of the things that the church has done in the world. Do you know it's the church that has, for hundreds of years now, gone around the world not just proclaiming the love of Jesus Christ, not just proclaiming the, the gospel message, but we have established schools and universities. Do you know that the great universities in the world today began as Christian universities? If you look at Oxford, that began as a Christian university. Cambridge began as a Christian university. Harvard started by Christians. Yale started by a group of of ministers that that felt the importance of the need to go and, and educate young men and women. Princeton University still has on their crest, Under God She Flourishes. We have established schools and clinics around the world our son Jesse was actually born in one of those mission, school, uh, mission hospitals in the city uh, of Thessaloniki. It was a, a hospital that was established in Greece, again, to help poor, needy people. that didn't have access to medicine. And so he was, he was actually born in Greece. He's, a, he's actually uh, a Greek by birth. Because of the Presbyterians who, uh, who established that hospital many years ago, we took a missions team to Burundi last year. Shane and Pam and um, Sally set up a clinic. And for two weeks, we took care of these little orphans that didn't have uh, access to, to medicine and to medical help. That's what, that's what we do. In terms of, of, of bringing uh, education, we, one of our team members uh, actually was teaching English working with the kids there. We've got 78 kids there that we're responsible for, and the team that we've established, that we've hired to work there in Burundi, that's what they do. They're educating those kids. They're helping those kids along in their education. That's what the church does. And we do so much good around the world, but we, we, uh, most people don't hear about it. We hear about the bad things, but we don't hear about the good things. For 2,000 years, folks, we've been doing what organizations are just starting to do now, but we've set the pace. We've, we've actually set the model. And the world now copies us. They do what we do. Do you know that, that the church has, has been responsible for changing uh, many harmful and deadly superstitions in many cultures? In some cultures, if your baby is born a, on an unlucky day, that baby's put to death. In fact, I was just reading in the internet yesterday. It's still happening today in many places. But it was the church that moved in and said, hey, that's got to stop. Why? Because the message of our Lord Jesus Christ is that we're all equal. And we're all valuable. And that life is precious. And that as far as God's concerned, there are no unlucky days. That's a Christian message gone forward. Changing the world. It was Jesus Christ that introduced the equality of women. A lot of people don't know that. It was Jesus Christ that treated women with respect and with dignity and equality. We have uh, we've been responsible in India. And I say we, I mean the church. Been responsible in India to put an end to widow burning. And when I say widow, I'm not talking about black widow spiders. I'm talking about women whose husbands have died. And what would happen is a, a husband, once he died... Funeral pyre was built, set on fire, and the widows were thrown on top of the pyre and was burned with her husband because she was not valued the way a man was valued. Folks, it's the church that's been responsible for bringing change to this world. I want to encourage you as a church not to be shy or be backward. In the proclamation of Jesus Christ, don't be shy about your church because your church has got a 2,000-year-old heritage and tradition a blessing and helping this broken and hurting world. You've got something to be proud of and something to be glad that you're a part of. Listen to this. This is, this is really incredible. I, uh, I want to read this to you. sociologist, Rodney Stark, wrote a wonderful little book. It's called The Victory of Reason. How Christianity Led to Freedom, Capitalism, and Western Success. Excellent little book. Here's what he writes. He writes that without Christianity's commitment to reason, progress, and moral equality, today the entire world would be where non-European societies were in, say, the 1800s. This would be a world lacking universities, banks, factories, eyeglasses, chimneys, and pianos, not to mention scientists. Stark goes on and quotes a published statement by Chinese scholars. Apparently, uh, China sent scholars to the USA to, to examine, to study what's different about Western, Western culture, Western society. And here's what he discovered. They said, these Chinese scholars said that they had no doubt that Christianity is a source of Western prosperity. The Christian moral foundation of social and cultural life, they said, was what made possible the emergence of capitalism and successful transition to democratic politics. In other words, they recognized the power of the church and the Christian message to make a difference in this world. A lot of us don't understand that. We don't know that. Now, Some of you will say, well, you know, capitalism is a bad thing. I heard Pope Francis even say that. Okay, well, look it. What you need to understand is that capitalism, the the economic system that we enjoy in North America, is based on Christian principles. And we can sum it up in one word. It's the word trust. Economists understand that if you take trust out of the equation, then we can't do business because you don't trust me and I don't trust you. And what has freed up business and freed up trade in North America is that we still are holding on to some of the old vestiges of our early faith where we trust one another. Anybody ever heard of eBay? When eBay came out, I thought, man, that's never going to work because what has to happen is somebody advertises something on eBay. They want to sell something. People bid for it. And then whoever wins sends money to this person that they've never met. There's no office to go to. All it is is a transaction on the internet. I thought, man, this is not going to fly. But guess what? eBay today is one of the biggest businesses in the whole wide world. And it's built on trust. When people sell something on eBay and, I, and then I send you money and you send it back to me, it's, it's a trust that I will send you the money and you'll send me the product that you're selling. Folks, you don't understand this maybe, but it's, this is rooted in Christian values. So I'm saying this to you today. The church has done great things and will continue to do things if the church will rise to the challenge. And so here's what I want to say to you today. You and I are called to go and make a difference. You and I are called to go and change this world. You know, when I was in Bible school, uh, one of the things that they wanted us to do is they wanted us to, to go and, uh, and, and, and evangelize, tell people about Jesus. And what we had to do is we had to get a partner and go knocking on doors. And so I thought, well, If it's two guys coming to the door, the people will think it's either Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormon. So I chose a girl to come with me. And uh, so we went together and, uh, you know, we knocked on the door and, you know, uh, this guy comes to the door, big, burly guy, very hairy, uh, no shirt, scary. So I hid behind the girl. (laughs) And, uh, no, I didn't really. I said, uh, uh, you wouldn't want to hear about Jesus, would you? And he said, no. <laughs> so I thought, well, I've got to improve my, my, my tack next time. But the idea is that together, the small little group, my partner and I, we would go together, we would share the gospel, we'd pray, she would pray as I talked, or vice versa, as she was talking, I'd pray. But we'd be a team to go make a difference. Well, we we knocked on doors and kind of got the hang of it, Um, and I got to tell you, I didn't think it was going to work. I thought, oh, you know what, it's part of the course, I'm going to get credits for it, I'll just do it, I got to do it. Not really thinking that anything was going to come of it, but folks, I couldn't have been more wrong. We uh, came to this house, knocked on the door, and a woman came to the door, answered it, didn't speak English very well, and uh, I said, can we share with you uh, about Jesus? And she said, "Yes, which was a, a huge shock to me. There's, there's nobody more more uh, mystified than me. So she invited us in, and uh, remember, I'm mystified, but we're still praying that God'll do something. Hello." Introduce, we called us into the house and we start sharing Jesus with her, And, and, uh, and she says to us, she says, "You know I've been praying. I've been praying that if God is real, that he would send somebody to, to show himself to me. We've come from another country and uh, left behind our friends there, left behind our church there, but we're lonely and, and no one needs something. So we got chatting with her and lo and behold, she, she hadn't yet given her heart to Jesus. She hadn't yet put her faith in Christ. But right there, we prayed with her tears streaming down her cheeks. She said, "Whatever, wherever you come from and whoever you are, you are an answer to my prayer. Well, you could have pushed me over the feather. Doubting Thomas here was just used by God with, a, with my partner in sharing the love of Christ. She started going to church with her family. As far as I know, she's still involved in that church. Why? Because a small group, in that case it was just the two of us, went and knocked on the door, prepared to share our faith to tell them about Jesus. Folks, this is what Jesus wants us to do. This This is how Jesus changes this world. We look at the massive problems and the struggles in this world and we just are overwhelmed by it. And we think, man, I can't change this problem. But here's the thing, all of us In obedience to Jesus Christ, doing one or two small things, together we change the world. Jesus had his 12 poured into the 12. And and after he left this earth, those 12 literally changed the world. As believers came to Christ and obeyed him, we see groups of Christians forming different parts of the world. I've actually traveled through many parts of the ancient world, been to Turkey. And that might not mean anything to you, but it's in Turkey that we find the seven churches that are mentioned in the book of Revelation. And these little collections of believers all over the world say, God, here we are. We want to be used by you. We want to make a difference. And the whole world touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ so that today, in the year 2014, do you want to know what the largest religious group is in the world. It's Christianity. And I'll tell you why. It's, it's not because we're so brilliant with our strategies and our visions. It's because we, in obedience, have responded to the call of God to go and make this world a better place. So tonight, or the course of this week, when you meet together with your small group, one of the things we'll be asking you to do it's to, it's to think of something that your small group can do to make this world a better place. I don't know what it will be, but maybe, maybe somebody that you know needs, needs special help, needs aid. Why don't your small group write to the occasion and help them? Maybe you know somebody who wants to go on a missions trip. You can write to the occasion and make that possible for them to go. Maybe, uh, maybe you've got a neighbor that needs help. There's so many little things that you can do to go and make a difference. Jesus sent out the 72, Luke chapter 10, sent them out two by two. And they went out, and I'm sure they were scared. Jesus said, don't take any clothes with you, or extra clothes, that is. Don't take any, any money with you. Just go, away you go, and go tell them about my love for, for them. And, and uh, so They did. We're away for a while. They're casting out devils. They're healing people. They're sharing the good news of Jesus' love. They come back to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we cannot believe what happened. It was astonishing. Even demons responded to our commands. People are healed. People touch. People transformed because these people were willing to obey Christ. You follow the apostle Paul. What is he doing? He gathers to, together with some partners to go with him on these missions trips. Paul and Barnabas and Paul and Silas and Paul and Barnabas and John Mark. And, and, and this, is, this is the way it was done. That's how, the, that's how the church went forward. That's how the church changed the world. Because believers were prepared and willing to obey God and to do what he said. This morning, um, Laura Turner came up to me after the service. So excited. She's uh, in a, like a little group at Tech Falk High School. And together they have a Bible study group. And they just simply share the love of Christ with cl- any classmates that are willing to come in here. And she said, Pastor, and what you said this morning is exactly what's happening in our school. She said, I'm so excited. I'm so excited about what God wants to do. So what part of it is so exciting? She says, the fact... That Jesus says, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I'm there among them. The idea that miracles can take place, the idea that Jesus' presence will be felt when a few faithful students get together prepared and willing just to share their faith. She says this is, this is my favorite sermon you've ever preached. Why? Because she can immediately recognize the special power that's available to her when she meets together with her classmates who also love Jesus. And together they're sharing their faith. And together they're experiencing the power of God manifest in their, in their presence, in their midst, in their midst. Do you want to start experiencing miracles in your life? Do you want to begin to see God do special things in you and through you? Then here's what you need to do. You need to get together with a few other believers and you need to begin to pray. You need to begin to ask God to use you and then you've got to respond and do whatever he shows you to do and he will do a miracle for you. I was, um, I was in Bible school um, after... After experiencing that first episode of doing evangelism, I really got hooked on it. I got excited about that. And so I made it a practice to, to try to share my faith where, whenever I could, wherever I could. I used to go on missions teams. I used to travel around with uh, some of our classmates throughout Saskatchewan. And one day I just felt God saying, you know what, what about, what about the mall? What about Saskatoon Mall? So I said, God, don't have to go to the mission field to do this. We've got a mission field in our backyard. And so that's what we did. Some of us went to the mall, and we just began to pray and say, God, show us, show us who we can help. Show us where the need is. And so I had one person praying for me, and I went and sat down on a bench just like this. And I began to pray, and I said, God, just uh, show me who it is you want to talk to. Who, who, who does you want me to talk to? Just let them come in, uh, come cross my path. And I'm just sitting there praying and uh, just asking God to do his work and all of a sudden a guy starts walking by and he, he gets to about this point right here and it's like he's hit some kind of a force field he comes to a dead stop and he looks over at me and I'm looking at him and he starts walking towards me and he, he says can I talk to you I said sure I so moved over sat down and he said what are you doing here I said well what are you doing here he said, uh, I don't know. He says, I just felt I needed to talk to you. So I said, well, let me tell you why I'm here. God told me to, to come and sit here and wait for you. His face went white. He said, this is amazing. He said, this very day, he said, I, I cried out to God because I was at my wits end. I didn't know what to do with my life. I wanted to end it. So I said, Well, God sent me here to talk to you, so go ahead. He proceeded to tell me that uh, his wife had died, left him with four children. He lost a job. He's broke, hungry, didn't know what to do. His last resort was to cry out to God. So I said to him, Well, I've got good news for you. God has heard your prayer. And God loves you. And today I can help you with all the things that you need. Right there in the middle of the mall, this guy bursts out crying. Just streams and streams of tears. And then he did what was very uncomfortable for me. He reached over and he gave me a great big hug. And not just like a big little sort of... It was like one of those awkward prolonged months where he wouldn't let go. And there we are. (laughs) I'm a 20-year-old student, Bible college. I'm being hugged by this man I don't know. I got his snot and tears (laughs) all over me. And I did have a moment of awkwardness, but that that quickly, quickly was swept away as I realized that I was there on a divine mission. I was there because God wanted me to be there for that very hour, that very moment. And together, we left that mall. And the very first thing I did is I took and, and bought him a Bible at the bookstore nearby because I thought that was the right thing to do. Got his name and uh, talked to... Uh, a pastor that I knew would help. And he and his whole family started attending the church. It was not that far from the Bible college. That church rallied together to help him. As far as I know, still in church to this day, totally transformed, totally helped in his hour of need. Why? Because there's a group of believers who were willing to go and do what God wanted them to do. I don't take credit for that. I was just responding to what Jesus wanted me to do. Here's the thing. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For two or three gathered together as my followers. I'm there among them. That man felt the presence of God that day. That man experienced a miracle in his life that day. And I could tell you many, many more stories just like that. You and I are called to partner together to change the world. We can't do it alone. I got an email from Dennis Weeb on Saturday, two o'clock in the afternoon, saying, "I'm in Montreal. I'm on my way to Burundi." Now some people may have this idea that it's Dennis Weeb's orphanage, and it's Dennis Weeb that's doing this. It's Dennis Weeb all on his own. But Dennis will tell you that's not the truth. Dennis will tell you that there's a group a small group of believers in Burundi that are making the difference in the lives of 78 kids. And he's actually on his way there to bless them and to encourage them to do some training and some teaching, but to help Delson and Nadine and Odette and Syriac and a few others who are faithfully serving those 78 kids who are orphans. It's a group of people who are committed to the cause. When Dennis comes back, He's got a group here that works with him, Heather and Janet Chow, and sometimes myself and Sally, part of that team here, that small group that enabled Dennis to do what he needs to do. There's a great big missions banquet coming up very shortly, and it's again, it's groups of people who say we want to make a difference in this world. That's what Cross Church is about. And that's what it means for you and I to be faithful Christ followers is that you and I partner together with our brothers and sisters in Christ and we say we want to make a difference in this world. So I want to encourage you in your small group discuss what you can do as a small group to make a difference in someone's life. Discuss what you can do to make a difference in this world. Whether it's downtown or abroad, I don't know. But you can do it together. And if you're not in a small group, if you're not connected, if you're not experiencing what I'm talking about here, Matthew 18, 19 to 20, you're missing out on a vital part of your Christian experience. God wants you to experience the joy, the delight, the wonder, the miracle of partnering with other believers to make a difference in this world. Would you stand with me, please, as we pray? God, when we look at your word, we discover that you do your great work in this world through groups of people who are committed to you, groups of people that love you, groups of people that want to serve you. God, we pray right now that each one here today would say, I want to be part of something greater than me. I want to make a difference in this world. I want to bless this hurting world. Thank you, Father, for the privilege and the joy that's been mine be part of these great spiritual enterprises around the world and, and right here at home. God, I pray everyone here today, if they haven't experienced it yet, would be prepared to say, "God, hear my use me, help me, Lord, to get connected with others who want to do the same thing, and that is to reach a world that needs Jesus." So, fathers, we go from this place. May we go with joy in our hearts of the privilege that's ours to partner with God and making a difference in the world. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone say it with me. Tell the person.